Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. The Entolamaginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Davide Marcello. Davide Marcello. Where are you from? Uh, from Germany, but I'm Italian. And you're playing the piano to... To welcome the people. To welcome the people here. Yeah. Very good. How did you get the piano here? Car and trailer. Car and trailer. Wow. Okay. Brilliant. It's a surreal moment when you're standing in the middle of all these people arriving across the border and in the background you hear the music from this piano wafting across the air. Nearly 1.5 million people have fled Ukraine since the war began less than two weeks ago. We take uh, documents, clothes and uh, run, run. The most uh, buildings in our city, hospitals, schools, um, buildings where people live are destroyed. You're looking at the faces of these small children who are tired and hungry and cold and the concern is that this is only going to get worse. It has become increasingly difficult for Ukrainians to flee their own country. On Sunday, Russian forces fired an evacuees, leaving at least three people dead outside Kiev. And a second attempt at a ceasefire to evacuate civilians from the southern city of Mariupol collapsed after just 45 minutes because of heavy shelling. On Monday, Russia announced new humanitarian corridors to transport trapped Ukrainians to Russia itself, but this was immediately dismissed by authorities in Kiev as an immoral stunt. We will not forgive hundreds and hundreds of victims, thousands and thousands of sufferings. Instead of forgiveness, there will be a day of judgment. I'm Denise Kalnan, and today I'm speaking to our very own journalist, Fanon Sheehan, who has spent the last week on the Polish-Ukrainian border watching the crisis unfold. So Fanon, you've travelled to Poland this week. Where exactly are you? I've been travelling up and down the, the 500 kilometres of the border uh, with our photographer Mark Andren for the last uh, five days. So I'm here at the Medica border crossing in southwest Poland. 
last night we were at a, a, a border crossing called Medica and literally we were we were still there at uh, about half 11 um, and there were still streams of people coming across uh, and on the far side of the border there are about two to three kilometres of queues of just people these aren't people in cars these are just pedestrians uh, queuing to get across the border but and there's just heartbreaking images of kids uh, asleep on, on sitting on top of suitcases elderly women uh, sitting on, on the ground the majority of the people who are coming across uh, are women and children because men of, of, of fighting age between the age of 16 and 60 uh, they're not allowed to leave Ukraine they're they're staying there to, to, to fight the Russians the government is not, not letting them them leave and Fanon, you've met quite a few people now over the last few days that have struck a chord with you, not less because they represent the stories of so many hundreds of thousands of other people. Can you tell us a little bit about the woman you met? And she had a nine-year-old daughter with her called Sophia. What exactly was her story? So her, her story was that, that she came across uh, the, the border uh, on, on foot. She had been... She'd been uh, dropped off uh, effectively uh, at at the border, uh, and she came across uh, with with her with her daughter. Yes, I have to I have to get my daughter to my sister. My sister is is in Poland already, okay. uh, and I want to come back to come back in Ukraine. Her name was Marina, and her daughter was, was Sofia. Why why do you not stay? Uh, because my husband is there. Okay. I cannot leave my husband in in such situation. She was obviously hoping that this would be a a, a short uh, trip for her daughter, but she she literally just doesn't know when she'll see her daughter again. It's difficult for people, you know, and who aren't there at the scene to understand exactly how these mothers are choosing to leave their children in a safe place and to return to Ukraine. Is that something that you're coming across a lot? It's obviously the the situation for for all of the fathers. They're they're all been been left behind. Yeah, I, I met uh, a woman the other night who who was she's seven months pregnant. She's effectively standing on 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 the side of the road, uh, waiting to figure out where she's going. I don't know. My husband uh, worked in Poland. Uh, he uh, he has. Uh, many friends in this uh, in this country. Uh, he phone uh, uh, for he, for them and uh, they help us. She's she's uh, pushing a, a pram with her nephew in it. Her sister is with it, and she's dragging a, a couple of a couple of suitcases. She didn't know if she would be be back in in the near future. It's uh, two three days. I hope and I went to home. I want home. Where is your husband? My husband uh, in Ukraine. He helped for our army. He he man and uh, he must uh, be strong and uh, fire. You know, for yeah. Our or if her on her her child who is due in May uh, is going to be is going to be born uh, in another country, uh, and if that child will ever meet uh, it, its father, so there are those heartbreaking decisions being being taken by by so many uh, families uh, in the Ukraine. The, the war is quite literally tearing them apart. 
you know, and you mentioned when when these people, when they cross the border and there's a whole setup by authorities and there's food and clothes and water and transport, but there are a lot of aid workers there as well to support them and to greet them and to offer help. And you spoke to one lady by the name of Katia. There was an opinion poll carried out here the other day that, that, that showed that three quarters of people had already done something for the aid effort, be it aid be it taking a family or, or give donations or give clothes or food or, or volunteering in, in some capacity to either drive him from the border or help out. And this lady had come up, Katia, young woman, she 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 spoke Ukrainian, English, Polish, so she was in a good position to, be able to communicate with people. And she was just standing there for the day and as in a high-vis jacket. Yeah, so we are uh, near the border crossing where people are uh, coming here from Ukraine and they are escaping just just, just from the war, just from the, the things uh, which are happening here. And uh, we are trying to help them and find, uh, find a home and find transport because they want to feel safe. And it isn't safe. We are, uh, we are giving them uh, just some food, some some uh, safe 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 space, just some drinks, hot water, because they are they are really scared, and and we want to help them. And literally, as people were coming across, she was just approaching them, saying, literally, just helping them to 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 get a bus, to get a lift. She's been there for the last number of days with with some of her friends. And literally, they're not affiliated; they're not working for the government as such or any aid agency. That they just turned up. Uh, to do what what they could to help out. She just said the the stories that she's hearing is just heartbreaking. She said just she just the, the thing that struck her was just the the children coming across. They're just exhausted. Uh, she's doing her best to kind of cheer them up by giving them uh, a bar of chocolate uh, or some sweets. But you know, effectively, what she's trying to do is is get get them onto somewhere. Uh, where they can take a rest. So they are really tired. They are traveling with children. So it's it's uh, really hard to uh, to watch this because uh, the kids are little. They are crying and, and mothers. They don't know what to do with them. So we are trying to <laughs> give them some candies and I don't know maybe some chocolate because uh, the the smallest person here uh, they don't know even what is happening now. Fanon, this was just one day that you're describing now um, at the border point. What were yourself and your colleagues, Mark's thoughts at the end of that first day? Yeah, we were we were kind of of the view that it's it's a you know, it's a system that's that's pretty much working. It, it's not chaos, but it's it's a bit haphazard. You you kind of wonder as as things go on. Is, is this system just gonna? Is it gonna uh, collapse? Is it just going to be overwhelmed? Are there going to be too many people coming across? And just what's constantly staying in your mind is just the the, the faces of uh, women of all ages and 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 kids up to teenage years who are just tired. They're 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 very stoical. They're they're taking it all in. There's no dramatics. There's no hysterics. They're, they're just relieved that they're at the next step of their journey. And Fanon, to, to look at the videos online here that are being shared and to see the photographs in the newspapers and online, that's a harrowing enough experience. How did you feel yourself at the end of that first day personally? Your, your heart kind of went out for these people. Things are going to get worse. The war is going to spread. It's currently effectively north-south. Uh, and east, it's going to spread to the west of, of Ukraine, and there's going to be more and more people coming across that border. 
On Friday in a, a location called Zhezhou, you actually met a group of Dublin men yourselves who took matters quite literally into their own hands. Can you tell a little bit, us a little bit about this group of men? They were four guys uh, from Dublin who know each other. They're in the construction sector. They, they saw what was going on. They said, we have to, to do something. So one of them, uh, he's a businessman, so he, he set up uh, a go, a go, a go fund me. Uh, he was able to contact some of the some of the business contacts, and he literally just whipped some cash together pretty fast, and they they headed this, out. This, this idea was uh, set in motion by Peter, called me and asked me would I make a donation, and through that conversation we decided that we would come out here. We're um, we're bringing medical supplies, uh, clothing, uh, military. Uh, uniforms, we're bringing um, drones with high resolution cameras so the military can use them for surveillance or, or, or to watch what's coming down the street um, and we hope to set up accounts in this town where we can put the funded money into the accounts so no money changes hands with anyone, we will just pay the bills as they need the equipment. His name was Alan Gale, he was with a, he's from Lucan, uh, he was at Lucas Major from, from Lucan. Um, Peter Siegela, for, who's from Lusk, and Igar Forex, who is who's from Kimmage uh, in Dublin. And uh, Lukash and Peter, they're originally from Poland. They're now living in, in Dublin for, for many years, but he's there with their families. But because they were, they, they, they speak Polish, obviously, and they, they've got in touch with, with some contacts on the far side of the border, in particular, uh, a doctor in a hospital in Lviv who was able to tell them what uh, sort of medical supplies they were running short of it or that they were trying to stockpile. So one of the relief workers here in Poland had put us in touch with a doctor that's uh, in Lviv at the moment. Uh, he contacted us and he gave us a, an extensive list of medical equipment that they, they urgently need. And we hope to meet him at the border, maybe tonight or it could be tomorrow morning. But this equipment is going to go out this evening and then we'll make more runs back into this town as we need it to pick up more supplies. It's not all one-way traffic. It's, 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 you're, you're not prevented from going into the, to the, to the Ukraine. So Ukrainians are coming across the border. They're stocking up on, on supplies, uh, be it food or clothes or blankets or, or whatever it is that, that, that is being supplied. And they are bringing them back uh, across the border in, into the Ukraine and getting as far as they, as they can there. There was one woman, um, Finon, on the Saturday in Medica and she took a, a bit of time out to speak to you. Her name was Liana and she's one of many people who've had to leave their family behind in order to get to safety. Where was she from and, and did she know where she was going? Yeah, so that was Liana. She was describing how in, in her apartment building uh, they had spent several nights uh, down in, in in the basement because the area was being bombed. And we was living in Kiev uh, all days yeah. with sounds of bomb, uh, yeah. avion, uh, and many terrible uh, yeah. sounds. And you're on your it's own? It's really, or? really yeah. uh, war in Ukraine. It's really worrying. All, all things that uh, you can see on uh, TV is real. Her point was, what, what you're... What you're seeing on TV, she said, that's real. I lived through that. So she had left. She had traveled uh, across the Ukraine on a military train uh, to Lviv through the night. Uh, that that train was, was packed, uh, went slowly, no, no lights on. 
and so on, so not to attract uh, attention. She was getting on a bus to head to Trieste uh, in northern Italy. She has some friends in Italy, and she's going to stay uh, with them. She was she was one of the, the people that struck me uh, particularly because you know she she had left uh, her, her her brother uh, had to stay stay behind. She was helping out with a, a civil a civil defence uh, unit uh, in in the area. She was not optimistic about getting back uh, anytime soon. All these days, I don't want to go away because in Kiev, in Ukraine, our home, yeah. our families, our parents, all things that we have. I'd say there's many in the same frame of mind, Finon. You've been on the border now um, quite a few days at this stage. How do you feel yourself about the unfolding crisis and how has it impacted you? It's uh, upset. My, my colleague Mark Condren would have been in situations like this uh, before. Uh, and he finds it, he also said he found this just, just quite upsetting. It's just the, the kids. I, I certainly found it upsetting whenever I see a kid who is around about the same age as my own son, who's 18 months. Uh, it, it, I just look at them and they, they look the same as him uh, in, in terms of age and, and, and demeanor. And it's just hard to imagine what that those kids are, are being dragged through uh, this ordeal. They're, they're, you know, the younger kids won't remember any of this uh, in, in years to come, but it's just the trauma that, that they're going through. That they're just uh, exhausted and hungry and, and cold. And it is a, 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 a dreadful predicament that they're being put through. I'm Denise Callanan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan and sound by John Smith. Clips were from NBC News, BBC News and ABC News. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.